This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is March the 20th. 2020 that's a lot of 2020s there strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin offended by selling one bitcoin equals one bitcoin all right dudes it's been wild compete don't complain hello my elite friends we got an elite cast here today and they're all in motion we got andy hoffman we got christian and we got brad mills coming in from canada how are is everybody today in the chat? I just re, refreshed a few things. Ken Bozak sent $4.20. Stay healthy, bro, bro. Well, it looks like Brad is trying to stay healthy there. Can everybody see? He's got a unique, uh, a unique beast type of outfit on there. I haven't really seen that too often on the streets. Uh, anyway, uh, Brad, what's up in Canada? I'm coming to you live from the quarantine zone here in Strathroy, Ontario. Active outbreak of coronavirus happening. I got my Satoshi Run hat. All right, dude. Rip that thing off so the people can hear you, man. Pound okay. that like button, everybody. Pound that like button. Okay, All right. You, you got to shave your beard if you want to wear a mask because it creates a proper seal. So that's, uh, that's why I have no beard. All right, dudes. Brad, tell us about link to below, or all these guys are linked to below. But Brad got had a prediction article out, and it, it you know about we're going to talk about the, the traditional finance markets. We're going to talk about precious metals too. It was, we got a guy who used to deal with precious metals here. I want to great. Yeah, I think it was Christian used to be a big precious metals guy. But so Brad, <laughs> Brad, Brad, what, what give us some of your predictions that you had in your article link to below? Yeah, well, okay, so. Uh, about about uh, uh, not a, not quite a week ago, 14th of March. So what's that? Six days ago, almost a week ago. I I had some some thoughts on uh, selling Bitcoin, and not just Bitcoin, but most things. And I wrote this little brainstorm um, stream of consciousness prediction article because I was getting asked by a lot of people like why are you bearish on Bitcoin isn't Bitcoin gonna win in this scenario where they're printing trillions of dollars and you know I was of the of the camp that while Bitcoin gains long term from this Bitcoin is not a hedge against the pandemic that's gonna cause a collapse in the stock markets and I think we may have even talked about that last time I was on. I felt like the, the the profile of the investor that's in Bitcoin is not the same as it was during the other waves of HODL. Um, after 2017, we got a lot of new investors and they are also investing in stocks and they're investing in other assets. They're more sophisticated investors. So when everything starts to sell, they're going to sell their Bitcoin. And so while the holders may not sell, like the new the new entrants, which made up quite a bit of the of the uh, the the money in the bubble in 2017, they're going to get panicked because everything's selling off, and, and they're going to sell everything. So I had some short term predictions, which kind of mostly all came true already uh, over two weeks, and then I had some medium term predictions and some long term predictions. Just just a general way of how I'm thinking about how how to position yourself and um, don't not to get blown up. Now, yeah, let's specifically talk about the medium term ones because uh, th those are uh, very interesting to me. Yeah, so like 
the medium term, well, there's medium to long. So I'll say the medium term ones, things that I thought that, they, that I saw like foreshadow speech that Trump and the advisors were doing. And even in Canada, what Trudeau was saying, uh, things like UBI style checks, because this is, you know, I, I don't know how much of this I'm just preaching to the choir or not, but basically we're, we're, we're in a different phase of life now. <laughs> this, you know, this mask is a joke right now, but it's probably not going to be. Uh, I'm in a city where there's actually an outbreak of, of coronavirus happening. There's 20,000 people right now. And I'm, I was trying desperately to, to make this uh, small town not turn into like a, an overwhelmed hospital system. So I was like sounding the alarm locally. And they three days after that, they declared a state of emergency and they shut everything down. So we're in quarantine uh you know self-isolation not quarantine we're, we're not supposed to be moving around and i started talking to different investors different uh business owners and just to see how quickly it affected their business and it started to make me realize like this is going to really drastically affect the economy because it's it's a ripple through from you know you have to stay home from work then your employer doesn't know what the hell to do so are they supposed to keep you they're supposed to fire you so you got a thousand employees. How are you supposed to manage manage that as an entrepreneur? The government announces some stimulus. They're going to try to help you. They'll do some EI um, in Canada. We have employment insurance. So they'll help there, but it's not enough. People are going to stop shopping. People are going to be home. Uh, people are going to not start to not pay their rent, their mortgage. Uh, real estate prices eventually are going to go down. And as the markets keep going down, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be downward pressure for every asset pretty much until this thing sort of bottoms out, which I don't think is going to happen for months. And I saw like they were willing to pull the stops and do whatever they possibly could, which means I think they're going to print $20 trillion. Um, <laughs> but now that actually sounds like it's a little bit on the low side. A week ago when I, when I was thinking they were going to print $20 trillion, that's nearly doubling the death in, in like a year. But they're going to do that in like a month now. They just announced today that they're going to do a trillion dollars repo operations every day for the rest of this month. They've already done like $4 trillion in printing and stimulus. So we're almost $15 trillion by the end of this month. So, uh, and you can stop me anytime here. I got no, no, I will say, All right. I, I, I'll get to Andy. He's talking about the money. The money printing is on. The printing press is going wild this is like the culmination of all your work, Andy, you said before. What what, what do you think's going on here? Right. Well, that was the name of my article yesterday. But anyone who knows, I've been, you know, I got into the sound money and precious metals in 2002. And I've been talking about the whole thing for 20 years. And I'm as well known in Bitcoin as I am in precious metals. And also that my views have changed, obviously, that I used to think precious metals were what was going to save us. And now in a world of Bitcoin... <laughs> Uh, you realize just how comical that is. Big, uh, precious metals are dead and uh, you need to embrace the future. Now, what, what Brad's talking about is, you know, this is an unprecedented situation. Uh, certainly for anyone uh, alive now, I'm sure there have been situations deep in the past uh, where you've had shutdowns of business. Uh, I guess during World War One and Two would be about the best scenario I can, you know, comparison I can make. But then again, we were on... Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, no, it'll come back. It keeps going up. We didn't have the, the debt uh, capacity. We had the debt capacity that we don't have now. And when 2008 came around, obviously, you know, that was 
that was the clarion call to the world, at least anyone who's watching, that the fiat system uh, was in trouble. Uh, it started in 1971 when we went off the gold standard. And the way I put it, it permanently broke. Uh, but what they did was they created all these new measures, uh, all these new measures to you know keep the game going between QE and NERP and ZERP and 24-7 market manipulation. And what did it do? It bought us 12 years of exponential debt growth and, and bad practices and capital misallocation, which uh, led us to a point where we were just waiting, a balloon waiting for a pin. And uh, no one could have expected what it would be, just like no one expected a 9-11. Well, no one expected that it would be a, a virus pandemic. And right now, to me, um, the world is uh, economically toast. All the, all the things that have been built up all these years that I've been talking about all of these years are going to burst. They're bursting as we speak. It's what Brad's talking about. Uh, they will you know, print. I don't even want to use the word money. They're going to print fiat whatever into oblivion. And all it's going to do is devalue it further. Right now, we're seeing record collapses of fiat currencies around the world. We're seeing record collapses of stocks. I mean, the stock market has now fallen more than during the 1929 crash. And this is just in two weeks. Uh, we've seen an historic drop in uh, real uh, interest rates, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, the one thing, uh, and actually, everyone should read what Brad wrote. I just read it for the first time, and I think it's great because what he's really, he's predicting the playbook. The current playbook for, for the, the government is to print into infinity, and then, I agree, shut down the market, shut down everything, because uh, they think that's their, their, their last guess. So be ready. Be ready for markets to be shut down. I think that we're going to be indoors for a long time. And the, the beauty of it all is that, uh, you know, to me, you know, I, I've been talking forever about, for instance, precious metals among the, you know, the fact that it's not divisible or fungible or any of the things that make Bitcoin special. The, the precious metal system depends on logistics. So precious metal dies, too, even worse if there's if there's logistics issues. And of course, if you're closing down markets, stocks, uh, bonds are going to be worthless. And so what will be left? Bitcoin, which you if you hold your private keys. And uh, I think it's an absolutely amazing thing to hold Bitcoin now, because while everyone was selling everything, as Brad was saying in the in the in the initial stages, um, you know, in Bitcoin, we're only starting with a billion dollar market cap. And now it was the short term stuff. We know on the blockchain, almost everything that was sold was the short term stuff. And of course, you have this ridiculous BitMEX, which allows uh, 100 to 1 leverage on Bitcoin. You've got to be nuts to do that. So I am, you know, now you're down to 100 billion market cap. So I think, frankly, most of uh, who's going to sell is sold already. Um, yeah, you could have a little more down, but I don't think there's really a lot more left that's not hodlers. And uh, Bitcoin is going to be the most functioning system of all the financial assets out there. So I think that the world is going to be in for some serious, serious scares. Uh, hopefully not the worst case scenario. And I think right now, honestly, the only asset from a risk reward standpoint I can even imagine holding is Bitcoin. Woo! Pound that like button, people. Okay, Christian, you're nodding your head. You're, you you want to get I, in I on might this, have baby. to disagree on that. We'll talk after that. I just sold some Bitcoin about four hours ago. Yes, and I, I was going to actually talk about your weekend in a second, but let go to Christian. Christian's got – he's chopping at the bit there. Take it over, baby. Well, I'm glad that Andy brought up the uh, the analysis done by several organizations on the blockchain so showing the historic dump last week was really new coins for the most part. I put out a tweet last week saying that um, that this in like this incredible redistribution from weak hands and new hands to uh, dedicated hodlers is incredibly bullish. 
compared to the stock market. If you look at the stock market, everything, all the stops are being pulled to manipulate that and stop it from dumping. It's still dumping. Bitcoin is is really, you know, a free market money. It's really taking it on the chin. And I think it's performing incredibly, incredibly well. And, you know, if the people that bought Bitcoin last week are, in fact, strong hands, are, in fact, haulers of, of last resort, um, I would not be shocked to see Bitcoin really start to perform well in the medium term. It's difficult to say in the short term just because there's so much uncertainty. A lot of people are getting furloughed. A lot of companies are starting to seize up because business is completely stopped. They have people on payroll. Like, if you're an office manager, offices are shutting down. Like, just think of the office managers, right? And then, you know, what are the fractals beyond that? Like, so many companies are are really starting to shut down right now. And while they wait for stimulus, while they wait for a package from the government, this is when they've been shut down for, you know, two to three weeks. Business has been affected for th- for two to three months. Um, these businesses are, are having a tough time. And, um I don't know. I'm, I'm bullish in the medium term, but in in the in the short term, I think anything can happen. Anything is on the table. The panic has yet to start. Um, I don't mean a fear monger, but I think that's just the reality. No, okay. if I if I could add, you should be fear mongering because it's the the wise thing to do. It's wise for people to be indoors. It's wise for businesses to shut down because we don't know what we're up against. But the thing is, with with we're talking about Bitcoin versus other markets, these stock markets globally are worth what two hundred trillion dollars. Uh, bonds, $200 trillion, foreign currencies, $80 trillion, these incredible numbers. Uh, and they're also all overvalued based on, you know, these perfect scenarios and based on all the stimulus and market support. So there's trillions to come out of these markets, whereas in Bitcoin, it's only a $100 billion market cap to start with. And most of that, as we saw, is in the hands of hodlers. So even if you say, well, everyone's going to sell Bitcoin because they need money, it's just not that much money. And it's not like there's big businesses that hold Bitcoin that, that needed to pay the bills. I just don't think there's that much market cap in Bitcoin to come come off of these levels, let alone with the halving coming as all of this is happening. So, I mean, yeah, of course it can go down some, but I think most of the damage has already been done. Oh, we're, we're going to talk about that halving. And again, Christian did bring up something I brought up earlier in the week, that the people that did sell, most of the Bitcoin that moved, that sold had been purchased in the last year or so. The Bitcoin mm-hmm. that uh, didn't move, people, uh, the, the old Bitcoin did not move much uh, it, it, when, when the big sell-off happened. Uh, was it last week or, or, or what, whatever it was? Uh, Brad, you want to say something? You sold Bitcoin. You, you actually sold Yeah, Bitcoin. so yes. I was taking a lot of shit on Twitter for – three weeks because when I, I was following this coronavirus news coming out of China because my wife is immune compromised and I'm very sensitive. I mean, I ordered like hazmat suits and all this stuff in and the end of January because I was ready to self quarantine once this sniff of this thing came around my local area because uh, she, she can't catch it because she, you know, her mortality rate for her uh, immune compromised condition is, is too high for me to risk it. So I started to, pay more attention to it and and then it started to make me realize well this isn't just going to stop at china this is going to hit the us this is going to hit everywhere and in that scenario bitcoin even though i think it's great long term and it's like my you know i'm a bitcoiner and i'm a i'm a an evangelist since 2011 and uh believe in it as the best asset 
but Jesus Christ, like I was just looking at those signs and I just thinking, why am I going to hold this? I did this already when, when the crash happened in 2018, I was like, yeah, well, I'm a hodler and like weak hands and all that stuff. And I was just like, why am I going to put myself through that again? I was just getting like seething back pain. And I just started realizing I'm trying, my, my logic is telling me I got to sell some down to avoid the risk of drawdown. But my emotional like uh, activism side was like fighting against my urge to want to sell. And it was just like two weeks of me debating like, I think this is going to crash the stock markets, guys. Like, how about, what should I do? I try to ask Twitter. Well, and then everybody tell me, you know, don't do anything. Hold, buy more, all this stupid. No, you did, you did the right thing. You know, I, I sold some Bitcoin in, in late 2018. I had set stops at the Hoffman line. And I publicly said this is what I did and why for personal financial reasons. Just like you did. I mean, everyone has their own financial reasons to do things. And, uh, and, you know, shame on the Bitcoin community when it gets mad at people for doing what it doesn't want them to do. You do what you need to do. Uh, and I do what I need to do. And we all we all agree that Bitcoin is, is the best asset to hold. We don't all necessarily agree when it's going to make moves up or down. I have my. Well, you know what I realized? And then so do you. Brad. I realized. I realized. Go yeah. ahead, Adam. Are you going to say something? No, 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 no. You were saying I was encouraging you to keep talking, Brad. So I was I was getting conflicted about it because I feel like I'm like a hodler of last resort for a certain percentage of my stash. You know, I, there's some Bitcoin I have that I will never sell. And I, I always, you know, I will always hold that. But then as I started to, I don't know, think about it some more and, and, and listen to my body telling me like the stress pains of holding Bitcoin is not worth is not worth it. The, the gains I might, the moon gains I might have on that percentage that I would have sold. It felt better. It slept better at night. I started to just realize that most of the people on Twitter are in their hodler journey and they haven't yet hit their goal. They haven't accumulated their 6.15 Bitcoins or whatever their number is. And I started realizing, oh, wait a second. I'm like trying to give advice for people that aren't in my situation. And I'm listening to these people that have like these these hazard logos or whatever in their name and and they're actually not getting the joke that that's you're not supposed to be toxic you're, you're just toxic toxic was like a self-deprecating joke from when altcoiners would call us toxic but now these bitcoiners are getting toxic at other bitcoiners for wanting to sell some but it's really all about risk management you gotta you gotta like don't be overexposed to anything don't blow yourself up i mean there's a percentage of my portfolio I'll never sell in Bitcoin. I'll always well, keep it, even if it goes I've got you, you talked about that you said that you sold, you know, it was a few weeks ago, but you just had a tweet today that you sold too. So what was up with that? So I bought Bitcoin after I, I, I wrote a Medium article about, uh, about two years ago, almost two years ago in 2018. And I said I was going to buy all the way down to $3,800. That was my, that was like when it hit 3,800, I was like, that, it, that's a buy opportunity. And I bought like around 5,000 on the way down. I bought around 30, 38 or something like that. And then I said right in the article, I was going to hold this for one to two years minimum. And it like pretty much right to the dot, you know, I didn't sell at 13,000 and I, I came down and then it went back up to 10,500. I'm like uh, seeing coronavirus come. I'm like, I got to I got to offload some of this because I want to have cash because everybody's going to fly to cash. And then I want to buy the dip when there is a dip. And if there's no dip, I I didn't stress, and I have some cash, and I'll go buy a, a house or something like that instead when when real estate crashes. <laughs> well, first of all, yep. most most people in the Twitter community don't have much Bitcoin; they just like to talk, and and the people who do the most talking are the people who are the least influential. So 
I've dealt with this in precious metals and Bitcoin, everything. People just attack you for whatever they do. Usually the people with the least consequence do the most attacking. And of course, it's all about, I mean, you could say all you want, value worth in Bitcoin, just like at one point I could have said I value my worth in, in, in gold ounces. But the fact is that dollars pay the bills right now, uh, maybe not in the future. And so you have, it's all about risk management, as you say. I, I mean, right now, uh, I believe in Bitcoin more than ever. The reasons, the, the things that I feared back in 2018, I don't fear now, just like the things I feared in 2016, I didn't fear in 2018. I feel stronger than ever, but it's all ultimately about your personal financial situation and, and you're doing the right thing. Well, yeah, but I did what Brad, you, the one thing you didn't exactly address, and I don't want to be nit nitpicky about this, but you today there was a tweet that right. said you sold today. Yeah, so today. at 65 at 6500 so at at around like 10,500 I was tweeting like I want to sell bitcoin and asking for advice on twitter and people were telling me bad advice so then it crashed of course down to 8000 and then at when it crashed I was like usually you get the feeling it's like oh well it's too late for me to sell now and I I just we've lived through that so much we've lived through oh it's too late I might as well keep it now but I overrode that feeling and used like uh sensible trend following rules to realize the trend is going down so i gotta sell so even though i should have sold higher i sold at eight thousand and it was like you know 10 15 20 percent of my bitcoin it, over over a week and a half or so and then we crashed more on black thursday they're calling it and i bought uh, and i switched my twitter name and everything i'm like i'm bullish now you know we, we crashed 50 percent from where i tweeted that i think we're gonna go down 50 percent. so i started buying again and I'm not a trader. I'm just like, I, I thought that the circumstances changed. So I bought back some of what I sold already at like 5,500 or something like that. And then I'm following the coronavirus news and I'm seeing the response and I'm seeing how they cut negative interest. They cut the rates to zero, like prematurely, like they did that way too fast. They, they're not leaving anything. The, the next thing that they have to do is shut the stock market down and just like full on socialism pretty much. So in that scenario, people, I feel like Bitcoins could wick down to $3,000 or something. And I don't, I'll buy that. If we wick down to 3,000, I'm buying that. I'm not gonna, we could we could, we could touch 2,500, I, I could see. We Yo, could I jump in here? That. Yes, yes. I, yeah, so I think the most important lesson here is everyone has their own risk management. Um, being a hodler of last resort is about buying, not necessarily, and, and about holding you know, holding some of your value in Bitcoin. Um, and I personally, I think that this is really about having multiple bags and having goals and and mm -hmm. having and thinking about this, right? Because if you're overextended in Bitcoin right now and you may lose your job or you may get forward load, like you're fucked and you never exactly. want to sell when you don't want to. You always want to be in control. So, you know, if your goal is 6.5, you know, and that's your hodl stash forever, do that. If your goal is one and that's your hodl stash forever, do that. Hold that. That's that is your stake in Bitcoin. Um, anything on top of that, you know, you you got to make sure to manage your risk so that way you stay in the game. Um, and I think that's the most important. And you know, if that made you relieved of back pain, did that put you in position to take advantage of the knowledge that you know and the business that you know? Then um, power to you. Like like I don't see why you know we should even care about Twitter trolls. Well, here we go. So uh, do you guys have anything else to, to add to this? Uh, well, it's been a very broad uh, topic. Fi uh, traditional finance, the, the dollar. I mean, the, so clearly the some people are valuing the dollar right now, a lot all over the world. What is up with that? Or did you guys have anything else to add? 
Andy. I would like to finish finish the with oh, saying Brad, that yeah, Brad, please that if you're if you're watching this and you have not yet hit your target of Bitcoin, I don't think you should sell. If you if your target is five percent of your net worth in Bitcoin, you should just be buying dips. I'm over my target. I got into Bitcoin in 2011. I've only been selling Bitcoin pretty much for the rest of my Bitcoin career because I'm overexposed to Bitcoin. I bought Bitcoin like at certain times. Yes, for sure. When I think the price is down, when the mayor multiples like really low or whatever, I'll, I'll buy some. I'll sell when it's high. Like and just just in general, it's not a bad idea to take some profits into fiat, even if you don't like fiat. But if you're like just coming at this now and you're really believe in Bitcoin, then I don't think that my strategy of shaving some off and like don't try to time the markets if you haven't yet hit your five percent or whatever your target number is just keep stacking like that is a good idea so we're in two different realities and and if just people need to understand if they're if they're if they're in conservative sort of preservation of wealth mode or stack more bitcoin mode until you get to your target there's different strategies there and i'm not trying to be a trader i'm not trying to time markets or anything like that um I just have different goals right now. I've realized that I was identifying as a Bitcoin maximalist for a long time. And I realized like when you really think about it, I'm, you know, everybody is a value maximalist and like a rights maximalist and like a privacy maximalist. Not everyone. Well, yeah, most Bitcoiners though, you know what I mean? Like most people are, they, they, the reason why they want Bitcoin, it's either because they want to make, more money they want to store their value or they want like to fight against the fiat system the central bank system and some sort of activism right but like it's all value when you when you peel away the layers and when you peel away the the names of the assets it's like you're protecting your family and your in your value and right now i think bitcoin is that thing it's for sure but it's it's everything is getting wrecked right now. So yeah, so but like, uh, to say everything's getting wrecked right now, or that you think that the coronavirus news is this. Look, the market knows that the coronavirus news is bad and is getting worse. It doesn't mean that Bitcoin will go up or down from this point on. And and I'm not sure why we're talking about everyone's personal strategy at this point. Of course, if you need to sell, that then sell. If you don't, but you know we're, we should be talking about what Bitcoin's value is and 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 what. The, this crisis is likely going to do to it. Okay. Uh, yeah. By the way, so Christian, your shirt, the UK Bitcoin master liked your shirt, by the way. Uh, that, that was just it in the chat. I don't know if you guys can see the the, the public uh, chat. All right, Christian, did you have something to say about what Andy just said? No, I mean, I agree. Uh, everyone, don't get shamed into whatever. Risk manage the way that's appropriate and make sure that you put yourself in position to survive another day. If you put yourself in position to get wrecked, it doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you have because you're, you're wrecked. You're going to have to sell it when you don't want to. So yeah, I don't like, put yourself in position to win and like, let's talk about the fundamentals. Right. All right. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about the halving right now real quick. Uh, where's my, then, Adam, Adam, you are going to talk about traditional markets in general, right? Yeah, we're going to, yeah. well, yeah, well, okay, so before we go to having them, Andy, what do you have to say? Do you have any, you, you touched on precious metals for a second there. Do mm-hmm. you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about the traditional markets or both? No, no, precious metals, I, I, I've said all I could say. They're, they're okay. dead forever. You could, you could see uh, what they're doing. There's, you know, there's been very little interest in physical market. The paper market's destroyed it anyway. And the fact is that precious metals have been so usurped in, va- in, in value proposition. I mean, 
you know, when I was, you know, marketing them for years and owning them, I'd say, well, they're fungible, divisible, portable, and they're outside the system. But when you look at it, you go, of course, they're not. They're more in the system than anything else. They're not fungible, portable, divisible, any of those things compared to Bitcoin. I think what would you, you say, just, what would you say to a person who's buying silver now? Because I, I'd say they're insane. They're, I, I, had, I had seven safes full of silver. Uh, getting rid of it was the most difficult thing I ever had, including a lawsuit with UPS, which I lost. And no, no, the logistics, uh, the liquidity is dying for silver. The gold-silver ratio is exploding, showing, as I've said for years, that it no longer is monetary. And just save your money. It's a big waste of time. That's So, you know, what, what I'd like to talk about more is what's going on in the financial markets. Go ahead. Not specifically the stock market, but the insane, insane amount of money printing, which... I predicted for years, and a lot of people in the Bitcoin community have, it's just shocking to see it in reality. And for people not to understand what it's going to mean for Bitcoin in the future, let alone, as you say, what they have in coming, it's really, I mean, I, what have I done for a living for all these years? And I'm reading these headlines every day, like it's just, you know, a train wreck in slow motion that even I never could imagine seeing. All right. Uh, and it, Anything else you wanted to say about that? Though? Train wreck in slow motion is right. Go back to me, yeah. All right, well, I got, I got bird up money. That. Brad, you're up. Yeah, I, I was I was tweeting about two weeks ago that I think the real the real black swan here is the central banks, not the coronavirus. And I and the reason why I was saying that was I was trying to think through the second second orders of me selling my Bitcoin and like what Bitcoin's gonna how Bitcoin will react to this and what I could what I could invest in like when the 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 market crashes and three months from now say when real estate comes down and uh everybody's on ubi checks and like they're 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 on the silver spoon from the government because business is kind of shut down or the 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 economic effects are sort of like it's a tsunami it's like waves are going to hit us well what if andy this is for you especially what if we do just switch to modern monetary theory and the central banks just print our way out of this. And we just decide as a, as a global community that debt doesn't matter anymore. And they do rebrand the national debt to the national savings. And the interest rates are so low that we can just run another 10 year bull market in the stock market and they can save it. And, uh, and everybody, and we switch to kind of like a pseudo uh, capital or socialism sort of not quite socialism, but, a socialist democracy say with some free markets like what if they can actually print their way out of this and it doesn't hyperinflate and we don't get world war three and we don't get mass rioting in the streets we don't get any bank runs because people are switching to digital currencies anyway so there's no cash to go you know they're already asking you don't take cash out of the bank machines and people don't even give a shit they're just like okay i'll just use i'll just use interact so what do you think, Andy, in that scenario? I know it's an edge case, and that's the black swan I'm trying to think about. What if the central banks are the black swan, and they actually save this train wreck, and we just continue status quo, and there's another 10-year bull market? Well, I did just, uh, to what you said, I tweeted an hour ago, quite a shocking chart. This is showing the, the stock market collapse. Uh, proof positive of how the Fed is far more dangerous than the coronavirus, which, of course, Adam would agree with me about. Um, what you were saying is not possible. It would be like saying, well, what if the Pope converted to Judaism? Like it's it, the things that you're proposing are not happening. What we're seeing now is the culmination of the failure that was caused by the 2008 attempt 
because you could have asked this question in 2008, right? The markets are all collapsing. And then the Fed says, we're going to print and we're, we're going to print and we're going to go to NERP and we're going to go to ZERP and we're going to do all these things. What if it works and we have another 10-year bull market? Well, it worked to create a 10-year bull market then. But back then, we had the debt capacity to do it. Remember, like, for instance, the U.S. national debt was $10 trillion when the 2008 crisis hit. It's 24 right now. And that, that doesn't include Fannie Mae off balance sheet. And uh, probably by the end of this year, it's going to be about 26 or 27. And, uh, and the only way to service that is to have pretty much negative interest rates, which have already caused so much damage around the world. And now you have this wild card, which is going to make it impossible for money printing to even work because businesses are going to be shutting down the very businesses they're bailing out. And that was something that even the feds can't, uh, can't uh, take into, into uh, account. So right now, I just think that we've had a, a failure of credibility in the central banks that's taken 12 years for the world to see. That's why right now the markets are collapsing no matter what they do. And I think that, you know, the timing, the timing of Bitcoin being born in 2008 of the crisis as a result of the crisis and needing basically a decade to build itself up to get a nice hash rate for people to trust it, to get rid of the, all the fallacies about forks to the point where it's now a strong, sustainable blockchain that people know, even institutions know that it's going to keep working. It's ready for the prime time. And just as this is happening, and just as the halving is happening, this is the first real halving. I mean, we're talking about going from 12 Bitcoins to six Bitcoins of supply per, per block. I mean, we're talking about a huge supply cut at a time where demand is exploding higher as the very reason that people were uh, have got into Bitcoin and why Bitcoin were born is happening. I just, I, it's almost, it's almost like uh, like divine that the timing of all these things would come together at the same time. There is no way in hell that what is happening now will end with the central banks on top with credibility, markets back up, and uh, and and confidence restored. We are going to see either via hyperinflation or mass default all of the debt that's been created from the last 12 years, and really from the last 40 years, uh, be, de be defaulted one way or the other. That's how it's gonna be. It's just a matter of how and when. And I frankly think that because of this virus, it's gonna be a lot sooner than, than, than anyone ever could have imagined. Now, now I, yeah. do, I, I wanna go back to Brad's point real quick. You know, are, will they be able to pull it off? Is basically the question there. And as someone in, the, uh, in the, the, the comments or in the chats, it turns out the whole world is socialist slash communist and beg for it when the S hits the fan is what I'm finding out these past two weeks. And yeah, it, it does appear that the majority of people want the government to take care of them. So as long as people are eating, as long as people are getting free stuff from the government, I don't see how the, govern the governments of the world won't get away with printing money. I think they, they, they will be. I don't think people care if their, their wealth is being inflated away at a fast or a slow rate, as long as they feel like they're happy. Um, I, I mean, I think we have em en entered MMT. I think we've, I think we've entered MMT and I think they're going to be, I, I think there's a way to pull it off. I know. I, I mean, Andy, you gave reasons, logical reasons why they, but I don't think the people will rebel. Just, I mean, just like uh, Brad said, they're not in the streets now. So why would be, they be they're, they're, they're not in the streets yet. Adam. This, this crisis yeah. just started two weeks ago. The debts have not yet defaulted. You know, you anyone reads Pomp, you know, Anthony Pompliano, great stuff. Uh, you know, Wall Street guy like myself. We're talking about we're going to be at great depression levels of unemployment within a month. I mean, it took five years back then. We've already had the stock market fall 
as much percentage-wise as the 29 crash, which is pretty shocking. But we're also going to have unemployment reach those levels within months. And on top of that, we, we may be in the house for weeks and weeks and weeks. Anyone who thinks otherwise is crazy. The only way we're going to end this is, is by erring on the side of caution. People are going to be inside for a long time. And all the debt that, that was built up all these years is going to default. I mean, you're talking about a company like Boeing is may go bankrupt. Right? Isn't Boeing supposed to be one of the greatest companies in the world? Because they borrowed so much money at low rates to buy back stock at high prices that they will not weather this. They won't make it for another year, Boeing. And, and that's just one company. Everyone is going to be defaulting. And so when they say, well, the, the federal and, this, and the ECB, well, they'll, they'll print it over. They are going to cause a panic out of, out of cash like we've never seen before. There is a limit on how much debt you can have. But when it's defaulting, that's the problem. Yeah, no. Everyone says, "Yeah, debt's fine. We can live with it." Or Dick Cheney said, uh, "Your our debt is so your problem." The problem is when it starts defaulting, then you can no longer ignore it. And we are going to see debt defaults of every kind starting this month, like nothing ever seen in history. I mean, in history, we'll never see this much defaults. I don't know, man. I, I was going to say one hundred percent. And once the government does stuff, they're not going to stop. It's like whatever they put in place now is not going to change. Right. So if they put in place weekly or biweekly checks, if they put in place a, a lot of these policies, it's going to be very difficult for them to change. And I think we're living in a new world. I agree with Adam. I agree with Andy. I think we're living in a world with negative interest rates, period, forever in America. And I, I just don't see how that's going to change. Will they pull it off? Will they kick the can down the road a little bit longer? Maybe. But Bitcoin's here. And this is really about allocation of resources an allocation of capital in the grand scheme of things. And in a world where like everyone is socialist, checks are coming out in America and the candle on effect is in full force. Like the allocation of resources are just, you know, the beginning of getting fucked up is now. Um, so is that system going to be sustainable in the long term? I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's scary. It's really I mean, scary. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at Europe, right? Where they've been socialist for some time and, and, and Europe has had negative interest rates now for six years. Um, and the, the whole system is falling apart. Just look, the whole Schengen agreement is falling apart right now. They don't, the people, the cross-border thing is going to fall apart. The currency is a complete mess because all the, the properties that made it a currency, were, they were violated in day one. The euro is going to fall apart uh, as fast as a lot of these other smaller currencies uh, because Europe is going to break apart as a result of all the cross-debt defaults, let alone if the coronavirus actually lasts you know, more than three to six. Well, months. let me play devil's advocate here on on the uh, the side of it can it can we can weather the storm and uh, and I'll just say and there's two reasons why I'm thinking this and for everybody to be aware of this it's good to think about this the the generational effects of of uh, socialism and anti capitalism on Gen Z is 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 super palpable. You can you can talk to any Gen Z youngster and they're you know, the, we're at the point where there's going to be UBI checks. And if an entire generation is brought up to expect UBI checks and they're being influenced by politicians that tell them the world is ending in 10 years, if we don't give up all your freedom over over your carbon emissions to to us and we'll take care of you and we'll give you checks and you can't do this, you can't do that and have mass surveillance on everything you spend and all that. I mean, it just you just think about that generation being influenced by people like AOC and politicians that are like super socialist, super anti-capitalist. 
But what about the value of those checks? I mean, who's going to finance this? You realize that they're they're talking about, I just read yesterday. Well, in in MMT, there is no need for financing, right? In MMT, if they do convince everybody to switch it, switch their thinking, like it's a new. They they don't uh, need to finance free money? They're gonna. They're, they're talking about now issuing a fifty-year treasury bond, right? I'm not saying For, it makes and, and that the, and that the treasury, the Fed will print the money to to fund that. That means one point three trillion dollars just for this one round of financing. And of course, someone has to own those bonds aside from the Fed. So the Fed's gonna. So you're basically saying that the government is gonna. The Fed's gonna print money and and fund everything that the government does. But because generations are used to it, that they're gonna be happy and there'll be no drop in the decline of the. We're t- people. We're talking about it, the ch- the change. I mean, what did I write well, today? The the, a change in allocation of resources paradigms happening right now in front of us. It's not going to be ca- because the government decides to print even more money and give it out that that's going to help any. That value of that money is going to die. Let's hear Brad. Brad I know what Brad, I think. I know what Brad's going to say. Brad. So so, I'm not saying that it makes any sense. From like I'm, I think about these things obviously from an Austrian perspective. So I, I have a ingrained feeling that value should be scarce, and you know I should allocate to scarce assets, and that's why I like Bitcoin and and, and Keynesianism and and just money printing and quantitative easing and all that is is pretty much a scam in my eyes. But the alternative is a depression. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to not have rioting in the streets. The, the politicians and the central bankers have the value right now. And even though the money is becoming more and more valueless, they have the value and they have the control. And as long as they give the plebs the Netflix and their thousand bucks a month. No, no, Brett, 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 are you watching the currency markets right now? I'm just curious. I mean, you live in Canada. You can see what the Canadian yeah, dollar I mean, is I, doing. I called but, two, weeks, two weeks ago. I moved like majority of my money into U.S. dollars. Great. Oh, great. Great. So, so great. Okay. But you're watching the currency markets. You realize that everyone in Canada has lost a huge amount of purchasing power in the last uh, in Yeah, the last but we few- don't. But look! Look damage. at any Look at what! Look at all these charts. Look at everyone. Look at the. I'm looking right now. Brazil, totally Mexico, I, I South Africa, Japan. Sense. It doesn't make any sense when you look at it from the perspective of us who think of things logically, but when you think about it from the perspective of the people that actually control the system, and they will be willing to do what the hell ever they can to prevent the system from falling apart. But they still have to buy things and the value of the currency goes down. It, it, it's that we're, we're past the point where it's just we're going to will it to happen. I don't think that's what are. 2008 to 2000. I don't think we are. I don't yeah. think we are. So I, I'm, I'm actually flipping to uh, to agree with Andy and, and Brad. Or sorry, not, to, uh, to agree with Adam and Brad that um, it, it's easy to as like Austrians to get lulled into we're right this time. Like we've been right the entire time. But the forces against that are very powerful. And I, let's just not underestimate them. We'll see. We just don't know. Well, most I people think- are not rational most of the time. They, <laughs> The dollar story, people love the dollar story. The euro might fall apart, okay? But, I mean, the dollar is the, the top of the worst of them, okay? It's the top of the fiat land. Everybody wants a piece of the United States. Even when the whole world's falling apart, everybody wants a piece of the United States. And I think people still believe that story. I think all the welfare recipients and future welfare recipients of America, which there are a lot of apparently now, they love, they just believe in the story and the, the money printers can get away with it. There's going to be a lot more of it out there. Um, 
And uh, yeah, but ninety percent of the population in the world doesn't use dollars; they use these collapsing currencies. And that's yeah, and, and the value of the dollar is being diminished too. Uh, I mean, yeah, every currency <laughs> is in a race to kind of destroy their own yeah. value because their debt is denominated in their currency, and they want that. They want to be able to just print yeah. more of it to pay the debt off with valueless currency right. uh, over time. But it it's going to have to end because this this is a this is the the black swan for them that's going to expose all this all this exactly. insane risk and leverage. But I think there's going to be a, a Bretton Woods 2.0 where they just move to modern monetary theory, agree collaterally, like to get or collaboratively that all of our national debts don't matter anymore. No one's going to get ever paid back all this insane. Really? You think that the world's leaders, the world's leaders are going to get together and decide that, that, that all not, the debt is going to go away and that, that if, there'll be no consequences? Something like and they'll that. all agree uh, on it. No, no problem. Just their debt. <laughs> what's the other solution? It's World War Three. So, but that's but that's solution. so that's so easy. Why haven't they thought of this already? I mean, we have a G20, right? Why why hasn't the G20 gotten together and said, you know what? Why don't we just uh, why don't we just say all debt is uh, is is no good anymore? It's all gone. I mean, why haven't they done that? <laughs> because there's a because you can't. The box one didn't happen. If you owe money to people, then they no, want it, it to be paid back. <laughs> it's because of game theory between Russia, China, and the U.S. and <laughs> and like the the. <laughs> We're talking physical warfare. I don't know if we want to be going to this. One thing that since this is the this week in Bitcoin show, you can't. No matter what happens warfare, to the dollar, right? if they're if they're able to pull this off, if, if the United States is able to pull like printing out trillions and trillions and trillions, uh, no. If you're on the Bitcoin side, you're going to be in good shape. I, I think we we, we yeah. can we can agree on that. I mean, there's, there's been there's been 600 fiat currencies throughout history, and every one has failed. And it's amazing to believe that people think now when that this one will succeed when it's so miserably failed already. I mean, we're, and we're just getting started. This is where the parabolic debt growth goes. I don't even know what's the word after parabolic. Hyperparabolic. But that's, a, but that's <laughs> on the assumption that the debt matters. And if we switch to just they all switch to say, okay, we're now mo moving to it's not national debt, it's national savings. And what? I don't even get that. That makes no sense. That's what they're trying to say. I, I'm not telling you that this is what I think is a smart idea. <laughs> okay. That's what the modern monetary theory economist. I economist, never, I never heard of that, but okay. <laughs> look it up. Stephanie Kelman, I think, is the one that. Uh, never heard of Stephanie Kelman. <laughs> no, no, she. Yeah, she, I've Bernie heard Sanders. of her. Okay, I've, I've heard of them. These MMT people, they're gonna. It, for me, it doesn't matter. I'm in. I'm in the Bitcoin. Let the, if the dollar is going to go to whatever, then let it go bad. If it got goes semi bad, I mean that's what it seems like we're arguing over. Is it going to be hyperinflation or is it going to be inflation? I mean, Stephanie Stephanie Kelton, sorry, Kelton. So okay, uh, Chris, did you have something else to add to this whole thing before we tie up this uh, little converse, this part of the conversation here? Uh, oh wait, you're muted, man. You're muted. I just can't believe that we've like all of this circus is happening and no one's even mentioned the fact that the U S elections is like currently in progress. Like, Holy shit. Like this swirl of Corona plus elections plus Bitcoin having like 2020 is a fucking whirlwind of a year. No curses, and please. Literally just got started. Sorry. And I apologize, but it is an absolutely world insane whirlwind of a year. And, uh, it like what it's March. It's March. Well, th think about it because, you know, pretty much tr the only way Trump is going to win is if somehow this resolves. And if he doesn't, I can't even imagine what's going to come after that, because then you'll get the real socialism coming in. And then the real money printing is after, hashtag is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I don't even know what Bernie Sanders is like 80 years old. But 
it'll be really scary if the uh, if the the socialist side comes in and says we want to take over everything because that's what's next. All right, let's well, let's talk. You see, Trump, oh, yeah, Trump's already talking because we were talking about Boeing. Just like you know, Boeing took down their their massive line of credit for fifteen billion dollars or something like that. Now they're asking for a 60, 60 billion dollar bailout, and Trump's even suggesting that this time around, if they start bailing companies out, then the government should own them. So that's, you know, the government nationalizing the, the means of production, <laughs> kind of, right? Mm -hmm. Statism to its worst. All right, but let's talk about the, the let's talk about the having though. Something that's happening. Companies, if they're going to bail out companies, why not have it so that the citizens get some benefit from that instead of the central bankers and the private bankers? I would rather, if we're going to be printing twenty trillion dollars, I would rather bail out the poor people that are like homeless on the streets than the central bankers that are just. You know, I have to fly to the private island to escape coronavirus. Do you know that, what I mean? Like, how can you not? That that's that's what the two thousand dollars checks are for. Yeah, that's what they're 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 proposing twelve hundred dollars checks or something like that. I mean, everyone's going to get a piece of the dollar pie. Everyone's going to get their bailout. Everyone will get something out of this darn thing, and that's and everyone gets used to it. That that's what social they. Every, everyone wants something for free. The, the Boeing wants something for free. The guy on the street wants everybody wants something for free, and they're going to get it. They're going to get it. That's what the – and Andy says because they're all going to get it, it's it's being printed to oblivion. But if we're saying that they're going to be able to pull it off somehow. I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how but it goes. in both scenarios, Bitcoin gains, I think. And I think yes. Andy, we're, we're on the same page there. Yes. In both scenarios, if they pull it off and if they don't pull it off, people are going to flock to scarce value. And, yeah. and obviously Bitcoin is one of the most – scarce resources on the planet okay yeah, yeah this is the thing to keep in mind both scenarios are insane just both scenarios yeah in terms of yeah. are insane and there are going to be sane people where are the same where are the 20 percenters going to go what's left bitcoin bitcoin is left it's, it's but everything too like land uh gold bitcoin art <laughs> like, well the things Land they can tax to oblivion. Land can be taken away. Gold can be taken away. Bitcoin is unconfiscatable, right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, look, when yeah. if you have hyperinflation or collapse in currency, that doesn't mean that art is going to go up in value. I mean, art is is doesn't really have an intrinsic value. It's just how you know how much money people are willing to pay for it. Uh, the one thing that, of course, is going to do well in that scenario is going to be bitcoin and you know you would think that gold would even though i think it's on its way out as a monetary standard but everything else i mean who knows because the circumstances of of high inflation are very unpredictable and most of them are very bad i mean very few assets uh do well in that kind of environment but i don't even know if that will happen it could be a deflationary spiral too but the fact is that you know i think what we're seeing right now is that you know what i've been talking about for years and years is this uh this experiment that started in 1971 of having every current currency backed by nothing is failing i mean it's great that they created technology to prolong it like with all these these uh you know great manipulative algorithms to control markets and then of course you know printing money and and nerp and zerp and all this stuff but i mean everything they do is failing and what we're seeing right now is the act of god the coronavirus that is striking down their abilities to keep it going i mean the, the debt defaults it, the debt defaults that are going to occur in the next few months are going to be staggering. And they're not going to just be small companies. They're going to be giant companies. They're going to be wealthy investors. They're going to be some of the most well-known institutions in the world. It's kind of like when you see the coronavirus, when you see famous people, 
uh, get it, uh, even if they're just infected, not necessarily sick, you're going to see incredible, you're going to see major institutions, including central banks go bankrupt because of this. Uh, if it doesn't end soon, and I don't think it'll end soon. If it ends soon, perhaps somehow by the skin of their teeth, uh, somehow this gets 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 prolonged a little bit. But to me, it looks like this is going to go on for some time. So, so what now? We're in this era of uh, companies are going to be going out of business or getting uh, big checks, and at the same time, the Bitcoin having is going to be going on. How many people are actually going to wake up to the Bitcoin having? What do you guys predict for the Bitcoin having? In, in terms of the current situation, because the situation has changed. Are people going to start talking about the Bitcoin having? It seems like all anybody wants to talk about is what famous basketball player got the virus and stuff and, and uh, the stock market crashing, all these negative things. Uh, Christian. I, I think the most people in the world are not going to give a shit about the, the Bitcoin having because it's not going to be relevant to them quite yet. I think Bitcoiners are going to be following it. Um, but ultimately, I think the most bullish thing for Bitcoin is that pretty much everything is affected by this virus on a fundamental level, including the majority of altcoins that need a continued development in order to surpass Bitcoin in the future. But Bitcoin's having in Bitcoin in general, on a fundamental level, is essentially completely uninterrupted. Um, the yeah. price, if the price can hold, if the price can hold and there's not too much turbulence on the minor side of things, um, there, there are there are very few issues. Um, granted, the having is going to force a lot more efficiency. Like I think people don't understand how efficient uh, Bitcoin miners can get, and I think there's a lot of room for gained efficiency. Um, so I think that after the having, you know, there will be a hit on those who are running tight margins. But generally speaking, um, you know, people will continue to drive towards being more and more efficient. So that way they can get Bitcoin at a cheaper price. Um, and uh, we're already seeing it today that, you know, energy facilities are mining Bitcoin. If you think about those facilities, their price for electricity is actually negative. If they don't use it and they waste it, they're actually losing money. So that puts them in a completely new ballpark. Like we're not talking about two cents a kilowatt or, you know, two cents a kilowatt hour. We're talking about negative cents. Like, we're talking about unlocking potential in uh, unlocking potential revenue for energy production facilities that was never even possible because of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. Uh, so that's the next step of Bitcoin. I think that this having just continues Bitcoin's march towards that becoming, you know, this kind of energy behemoth and this this uh, this financial monster. Um, and you know, Bitcoin is anti-fragile and everything else is fragile. And uh, we're going to see that the happening happens. And we have no idea when E2. We have no idea when any of this other stuff. But we do know what Bitcoin is going to do. All right. Brad Brad actually had some pretty uh, bad predictions for Ethereum and DeFi. I don't know if you want to mention that briefly. But what are your having thoughts? I think that coronavirus has taken over everything. And anything that any narrative before for Bitcoin is just irrelevant right now. And the the having is just this niche sort of like event at the moment like the coronavirus is going to destroy confidence in people's uh trust in markets and stuff like that for 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 a little bit so i think it's going to be like six six months to a year before bitcoin comes back out of this when when uh, it decouples from the markets and when it decouples from gold and things like that and eventually i think bitcoin's 100k probably within three years i think a million within 10 years 
But if they hyperinflate the currency, obviously we get a million dollars in a year. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying if they don't do that. But I do think Bitcoin is like medium to long term the play. But short term, I think we could see much lower. And if you if you're if you're like sold on the Bitcoin happening like narrative that it's going to moon because everybody's going to want to get some because of the stock to flow ratio. I just think like we're in a new world right now and you got to just take less risk. Don't use leverage if you're going to trade that um, strategy. Just just be cautious. Learn about trend following. Learn about portfolio management and uh, and just be cautious because because previous narratives are not relevant right now. And Andy uh, has and, Bitcoin and, and ETH, yeah, ETH fifty bucks, DeFi wrecked. <laughs> Andy uh, is uh, has Bitcoin decoupled from the traditional markets, and what do you think about the uh, having? Yeah, well, I have to say I disagree with pretty much everything I just heard there. Um, well, first of all, if you just sold your Bitcoin and you're saying that I'd like to buy it back at two or three thousand, of course your narrative is going to change, especially when you just told us that your pits in your stomach sold, about the sold, price going up. So now I it becomes five, I think I it's going to go down. Okay, listen, to say that coronavirus affects everything and that everything is the same and that Bitcoin is just the same and everyone will lose confidence in Bitcoin because of coronavirus, I think is, uh, is, is ridiculous. First of all, it's still trading at a very nice level, um, levels that we couldn't have imagined it trading at years ago. So to say everyone's lost confidence in it, we no, even with gonna, even what I meant I'm, was they're going to lose confidence in the in markets in general and they're going to want to be in cash. Okay, well, maybe some people won't want to be in cash because the people who, who some people need cash and some people would like to have Bitcoin and some people. And again, Bitcoin, like I said, most of the selling that's going to occur is probably already occurred. And we're talking about we most of Bitcoin is held by hodlers. That's what the well, evidence no, says. Weeks. Within a week, I think we'll know if that's true. Okay, it's, maybe so. The, but, it, you know, I'm hearing too much the hospital system in New York City in a week. Yes. We'll okay. see how, we'll you see have how you have a lot of predictions. I get it. You you predict everything, and that's what you do. You write predictions, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. You know, Tone Bays makes thousands of predictions, and he's very good. He's very I, good at expertly I, saying, "Look, I predicted this one. It was right, but oh, that one that I, I did that was wrong. Forget that right. one." Look, I don't. Look, guy. I, I'm not saying whether Bitcoin goes up. You just said coronavirus affects everything, and everyone will lose confidence yeah. in it, and that the niche is a is just. The, the having is just a niche, like it's some inconsequential thing. Look, we've <laughs> yeah. already had most of the Bitcoin that's going to be produced. There's about 18.3 million out there. In the next four years, it's just going to be another 1.3 million. This is nothing. This is chump change. We've essentially reached the limit of all the Bitcoin that's going to be ever produced at a time where people are finally starting to understand what it is and that it's not going away. And that just because, oh, my God, people are scared because of markets. Well, that means Bitcoin will collapse. Everyone who has any idea uh, about Bitcoin knows it's not going to collapse and they're going to be looking to store value. Now, it'd be one thing if Bitcoin was trading at like a $10 trillion market cap and it had so much to come out of it. It's trading at a very small level. And the fact is, look at how it's done past week to say like, oh, the coronavirus and it's falling with markets. No, in this past week, Bitcoin is up while markets have crashed. So obviously yep. there's, there, there's, there's been some people that have thought maybe there's value in here. And to say, you know, to me, I think the halving is one of the biggest events ever. Look, I was around for the, the last halving. No one even knew about it uh, except for hardcore Bitcoiners. Now, the institutions are very well aware of what it means. And, of course, it's going to cause the, the price of mining to go up 
So even if there are energy companies that are mining it, the fact is the price of, of mining goes up dramatically when you're cutting the supply in half. So I think that right now is, is the perfect storm. Now, of course, it could go down. But, you know, when you see that big drop and, we, and you see that most of it was short-term coins and most of it was because of leverage on BitMEX, uh, that is not going to happen again. <laughs> They're not going to be taking these big long positions. I think you're talking about a, a, a golden period of risk-reward for Bitcoin that we've never seen before. And yes, I'm not predicting that it's going to go up to 20,000 or down so many to... times in the last two years. I, I just I don't think it's as I think. It's I, okay, it's okay, but you also believe that 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 the governments of the world can just get together and say that doesn't matter. So we'll see. They okay, could. Christian, Christian. Hey, sir. they they they. So it's funny because I'm I feel like I'm right in between you guys. Like I I think that Brad is a lot more bearish than I am, and I think Andy is. I think I think you're way too bullish. Um, I think that there's we have no idea what's on the table. I think everything is on the table. I think the governments are going to try their best to save what they're doing. All the incentives are pushing them in that direction. Um, and then on the flip side, we have no idea how strong the hands that are holding right now are. We have no idea what another two or three months is going to look like and how sweet selling Bitcoin might sound then. Like I, I could see a world where Bitcoin gets to 8K and a lot of people sell just because, holy shit, that's that's my rent for that's my rent for two or three or four months, you know, that, that could really help me out. I have really no idea what this is going to look like, especially during this time of extreme uncertainty. And we have no idea when that's going to end. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think that's very sound analysis, what you just said, because yes, of course it could fall a lot more uh, because you never know what'll happen in the short term. And of course it could go up a lot because you never know what'll happen in the short term. I just disagree that Bitcoin is, uh, is in, in the same boat as everything in the world as regards the coronavirus. Bitcoin is not a business. It's not, it's not a business that, that its outlook gets worse because of the coronavirus. It doesn't have yeah. debt to pay off. It's not a company. It doesn't have centralized people who can take it away. It's just going to be there. And it has a very low market cap to start with. So yes, of course it could go down. But I would say that to underestimate its impact on the world and the impact of the having would be unwise. But yeah. I, I just want to drill down a little bit as I think one of the, the basic uh, disagreements is that, Brad, you still think Bitcoin is uh, is uh, correlated with the traditional assets because things are so bad that everything will go down if things go down. And Andy, you're saying Bitcoin is not correlated with these assets that it's never uh, been. It's never been correlated with. The, look, look, just look at the last few days. Bitcoin the last week, Bitcoin has gone up. And the markets have gone down. Well, but but people goes, point. People just point to that big day of the crash. Everything crashed on that one day. Well, it's not, yeah. That day. I mean, I've been noticing since uh, at least two years now that Bitcoin is macro correlated to news, to world news, and it's been uncorrelated as like a portfolio weighting tool to other assets. But in macro correlations, it's. It's totally correlated. It's very so the, correlated. So the world new the world news peaked on a bullish amount uh, nature in December of 2017, and then it peaked again in June of 2019, and then it peaked again uh, last month. No, I mean I, I've been watching I've been watching every market for 25 like plus years. And, you know, remember remember when the stock markets were kind of like looking like everybody was calling for a recession, and then Bitcoin started to go down with the stock markets. And then when the stock market started to go back up, it, we it, just like how altcoins can move when Bitcoin is bullish, Bitcoin can move when the traditional markets are safe. The, the, the traditional markets right are 100% supported 
by by the central banks 24 7 they have been since 2008 that's why they never go down stocks or bonds that's why this completely shocked them this is a this is a you know a six sigma event an act of god that comes in and shakes the foundations of what they're able to do they are no longer able to support the markets and then you see everything come crashing down that's all it doesn't mean it's well, going to stay that way forever. In fact, in Bitcoin's case, we all know that BitMEX's leverage is the biggest reason why it fell so much. I mean, why people would go on to such incredible leverage and what the most volatile asset I've ever seen in my life is, I don't know, but that was why. And it was heavily correlated for a couple of days. And now it's back to doing whatever it wants to do. It crashes, it surges, but it's not necessarily paying attention to anything else. I mean, Adam, all you guys, you watch Bitcoin. When has it ever moved when the markets move, when does it ever? Well, the, the other thing, yeah. I I don't believe in the correlated. I don't believe in the correlated hypothesis. I think it's I think it's uncorrelated. It does its own thing. The people that that one day, everyone's so darn panic stricken now. It's ridiculous. And when they saw that happen that one day, when everything went down, everyone's screaming, "It's correlated now! It's correlated!" Look, even Bitcoin can't survive. Even First of all, dudes, I mean, the other day, the other day, the stock market crashed again and Bitcoin did not crash. So I, I, I'm not- How about not, today? <laughs> How about today? Today, say, I mean, yes, same thing. It well, is, that's, the it, same that's the same argument, though, that altcoiners make when they say, see, look, Litecoin, Litecoin is leading Bitcoin when it goes up 10% or Dash is leading Bitcoin. It goes up 20% and then Bitcoin can go up. It just it's ma it's macro correlated. If yeah, Bitcoin but that's ridiculous. Bitcoin and Dash do not lead Bitcoin. Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin and Dash are exactly. inconsequential. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why yeah. I don't think that I think in a general macro sense that if the world is in a bullish uh, expanding market, then Bitcoin has lots more room to expand. If the world is shrinking, everybody's in fear mode. Everybody's panicking and selling. Then they're going to fly and sell everything, including Bitcoin. And once we get out of that stressful period of fear and crashing, then Bitcoin can decouple and it can lift off. You're, you're reading the mainstream playbook. That's what the mainstream tells mainstream you you should, you should say. I don't, read, I don't read any of that stuff. People say, well, look, Bitcoin only goes up when the markets go up and Bitcoin's only been around in a, in a bull market. So therefore it hasn't been... Yeah, that's right. It's only been around I mean, a bull market. So let's see I mean, what the, the reality is that you're both right. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not following any, I'm not following anybody's lead on this. I'm just taking it in from all sources. All right. Let Christian speak. Yeah. The, the reality is that you guys are both right. I think that in the short term, you know, Brad's uncertainty is completely correct. And that can have massive effects on Bitcoin. But I do agree with Andy and Adam mm -hmm. that there are fundamental things with Bitcoin that will lead to price appreciation. And ultimately, that will signal to the market as they continue to get their measly little check from the government that's buying them $20 cans of beans. They're going to be looking at Bitcoin just continue to go up because of the fundamentals, because no one is selling. Um, it's going to be very uncertain. And Brad, uh, Brad is saying this, that when we get out of this time, Bitcoin will surge. I don't think that we need to necessarily get out of this time for Bitcoin to surge. But uh, if it will surge, it will because of the fundamentals. It will because hodlers are holding the floor. They're not selling. Um, and recently, I've been checking out BISC a lot. And I think it's a, it gives you a good sense of what Bitcoiners only are thinking. And if you look at BISC, there is a 30 to 35% premium on Bitcoin buys, and there is a massive buy wall. So that is what Bitcoiners are thinking. I think that is a, a beautiful signal. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to be tested, and we're going to see where the Bitcoiners lay and where the strong hands lay and how long the strong hands can hold on. 
because this might be a crazy roller coaster. Yes. All right. I think that's a good way to to tie up that uh, part of the discussion. I wanted Brad. I've been talking about Brad's uh, article for a while. The, the windfall game uh, uh, survey that you did. Can you quickly give a summary of that and uh, yeah, uh, and a conclusion? Because I think the conclusion is people need education on Bitcoin. Yes. But keep keep going. And and like. I, I want I have a, a podcast episode I've been meaning to release, but I've just been following all this coronavirus stuff and trying to prep my portfolio for it for a while. I didn't release it, but thank you for covering that on your show. That was great. And and uh, I, I just, yeah, I did this survey that Ron Paul puts on his Twitter every year for the last three years. He says, if, if someone wealthy gives you $10,000, uh, but the catch is you have to keep it in, uh, in this asset of your choice for 10 years, what would you choose? Cash, Bitcoin gold and he says bonds but i changed it to stocks because i got feedback that bonds is too boring for everybody and, and nobody understands bonds and stocks is like people are aware of that so we so i wrote this 17 question survey that kind of uh asks general people how they think about money how they think money is created um how they think the stock market has performed how they think the dollar has performed in over the last 100 years and you know the kind of the common uh, bitcoin rabbit hole questions that you always end up asking somebody like what do you think money's back by and, and all that so we wrote the survey got a bunch of feedback and then commissioned a market research company to do it for me and the results were were great it, it showed early on obviously people were choosing things like cash and, and stocks and gold uh, bitcoin was the least chosen and then afterwards uh, at the end, I asked the question again. And, and after, after all the education, I asked the question again to ask them, okay, now that you know all this information, what would you choose in the same scenario? And, you know, lay the scenario out again. And Bitcoin was the one that everybody chose uh, the majority of the time at the end. So it was like some shocking things that, that I learned from the survey were uh, boomers actually were the least, were the least likely to choose Bitcoin at the beginning. And then they were the most likely to change their minds at the end. And that kind of went counter to the drop gold narrative and all that that we that we hear, which is like boomers are like a lost generation for Bitcoin. But it actually was very promising for me to see that, like, actually, the boomers, we, we don't have to just wait for the $68 trillion wealth transfer event to happen from boomers to Gen X and millennials. We can help the boomers along and, and get them exposed to Bitcoin now uh, with some education, because Everybody changed their mind. Every, all, all generations, all income classes, everybody changed their mind when they got educated on Bitcoin. But boomers were the significant, like, they were the ones that changed the most. But still, in the end, boomers were the least likely to buy Bitcoin. Even though they changed their mind the most, it was still millennials and, and uh, Gen Z, like you'd expect, that were most interested in Bitcoin. And they, they'd choose Bitcoin. So there were some other really interesting fact, uh, findings in there too, that, but I don't want to like, you know, take up too much time on that. Well, again, so marketing people, market Bitcoin, educate people about Bitcoin. It makes a difference, correct? It was like a 300% increase in the boomers. Like there was 370% increase of boomers that would choose Bitcoin after they learned about Bitcoin. Because they thought, one of the more surprising things was like they thought they knew about Bitcoin. A lot of them thought that they, they knew about Bitcoin. They knew about the national debt. And the survey proved that a lot of people are very confident in thinking they know who makes the money and they know what Bitcoin is. And like Andy was saying, like it's such a small market cap right now. A lot of the people thought Bitcoin was already the same size market cap of gold. So in the survey, we asked them that question that Andy was saying, like, 
you know, do you understand how small Bitcoin is relative to other asset classes? And people said, oh, yeah, I understand. And then they, we would ask them, what do you think? It's a uh, hundred billion. Do you think it's a trillion? Do you think it's eight trillion, just like gold? And a lot of people, like the majority of people were choosing numbers like 10 trillion and stuff like that. So the majority of them didn't even like they they thought they knew how much Bitcoin was worth. They thought they missed the boat already. And, they, and then when they were told that actually it's only like 100 billion, 150 billion at the time of the writing, it's only like 150 billion. Do you think it could ever go 50 X to, to get the same price of gold? And the majority of the people answered yes. Like, so it kind of showed that people were shifting in their mindset, like, oh, maybe I don't know so much about money and investing. And this this Bitcoin thing is undervalued. And, well, the thing, anyway. I mean, it's a great study and it's an amazing conclusion. Actually, if you just think about the age groups, like I was talking about mm -hmm. at, at Precious Metals, you know, I left three years ago. My average client was probably 65 years old then. And I assure you that age is not going down. So what you're going to see, of course, is, is people who own precious metals are going to be uh, passing away and they're going to be leaving them to millennials and Gen Z's who are going to sell them. So there's going to be a constant sell pressure right. for decades to come. Boomers, all they know is stocks and bonds. Uh, probably almost probably almost none own Bitcoin uh, and probably very little of them even own uh, gold except for the older ones. And, uh, you know, now they're going to start to have questions about stocks and bonds because they've been supported forever. In fact, most of them lost a huge amount of money and are barely trying to claw their way back from the 2008 and 2000 declines only to see this, which is just as bad, if not worse. So they're going to start to change their views about asset classes. And, you know, again, we talk about bonds. Treasury bonds may be soaring, but other bonds are crashing. You know, the bonds of actual companies that can't buy back their bonds by printing money. So I think the attitude of all kinds of, all of boomer investors about traditional investments is going to change. And of course, you have millennials and Gen Zs who have less money to start with. Uh, and they have, so they've not lost as much in stocks and bonds. And stocks and bonds are really on their way out, I think, as, as capital formation tools. And they're tech savvy. So they're going to be looking to Bitcoin and, uh, and you know, a digital economy. So I just, I just think that the shift away from traditional investments in so many ways, let alone from fiat currencies, which are being, you know, which are just being decimated and people are losing confidence in them, is going to be historic. And when you look at the crypto sector, whether you like altcoins or not, it doesn't matter. The sector is so tiny and uh, there's going to be just trillions that are going to be entering the sector. Most of it should go into Bitcoin, but it's probably going to go into other places as well. Uh, well a lot of it which hasn't in, been invented yet. Yeah. In the, in the survey we saw that the all the um all the answers that changed from the beginning to the end it didn't come from gold it came from cash and stocks so gold held steady at the beginning at 20 percent and at the end at 20 percent. but it was, it was like stocks and cash everybody everybody dumped that for bitcoin yeah and the 20 percent are going to be people who are in their 60s plus and those people are not going to be on the survey if you do it if you use those same people in their ways anyway, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. It's also going to be governments. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard to ignore gold's lending. It's especially in the medium term, but uh, long term, yeah, I definitely think that we lost both are relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say, Christian? You got you got cut off there. What did you say? Sorry. Um, I think it's hard to ignore gold's uh, Lindy and liquidity and USD's uh, liquidity. I feel like both of those factors are not going to disappear anytime, especially in the short to medium term. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, 
I, I pretty much agree with everything. Yes, the, the institutional gold market, gold does have a legacy value and it is still held by big institutions. So yes, it will be around for a while. And certainly if we have a crisis, it could have a bigger value. Silver is another story. No one holds silver, certainly no institutions do. Uh, but that, that, that value over time is going to diminish as the, as the digital economy grows. And as for over small, the, the small, the, the difference is for big institutions, gold is liquid, mostly because they're not actually trading physical gold. They're trading paper promises of physical gold that we don't even know exists. Like, for instance, the U.S. government could say, yeah, we're going to sell you some of our gold, but you can't audit it. But as for the small investor, I'm saying it's become less and less liquid because just look at the sales of physical gold to, to retail. It's dying. And so there'll be less bullion dealers and less liquidity for small investors. It's really just institutions, governments, will gold will be around for some time, but it's never going to moon. You know, those days are past and they ended in 1980. Okay, I want to stress to everyone again, Brad's uh, article survey, it is linked to below. Check it out. This is actually a professional survey. It isn't just some Twitter thing, you know, that, that's biased. It was scientific. I mean, it was a real sample yeah. size, all, all that stuff. He paid money for it. Not, not some Twitter thing. And it's just, it's very educational. You can really just dive down into it if you like the statistics. Uh, so I, I'm glad I got Brad to explain. He did a, a very good job there. All right. Now. We've obviously reached, we've gone over time here. This is like uh, the Ravens against Denver in that uh, famous uh, mile high miracle. Pound that like Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're, out, you're, you're out there right now in Denver, but I had to give those guys a little bit of, they're yeah. big Joe Bracco fans. I know, Jac Jacoby <laughs> Jones, Jacoby Jones, I know. All right, so, so yeah. what, what a night that was. So let us get into conclusionary thoughts, but I have a specific conclusionary thought for Christian. Um, you're partying tonight, baby, and it's linked to below. Explain to everybody what, what the party is tonight, and then you can talk about anything you want to talk about. Uh, uh, un unmute, unmute, unmute. Sorry, sorry. I do a show called POV Crypto, and uh, we've been doing a lot of live streams recently, and uh, we are going to be doing a live stream where we give out the Zoom link to a bunch of people that follow us and listen to the show. Uh, and just kind of drink and hang out and talk about stuff on Zoom. So uh, we'll be live streaming and hanging out in Zoom with a bunch of people tonight, 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. Pacific, oh, 9 p.m. Central. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the Bitcoin guy on POV. Oh, He's POV. <laughs> yes. Look at that. We, we got best guest in the freaking space here, baby. Pound that like button. I got all sorts here. All right. Any, what, what else do you want to talk about, Christian? Any Anything else? Well, I mean, what's up with uh, – <laughs> Uh, I don't want to get into the sad things because all the businesses are shut down in like the most technologically sophisticated part of the country where you are in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I don't know if you have any commentary on that, but anything you want to say, the floor is yours. The internet is really slow, as you can see from my video feed and the quality of, <laughs> yeah, just everyone is working from home. Everyone is in, you know, in my neighborhood uh, and yeah, high bandwidth. Everyone's watching Netflix. So I don't know. It's tough. Everyone is, no one's out. I kind of went on a run, like I said earlier this week. I had never saw more people running before. Uh, so the, the people that do like to work out, like that's one of the, the few things that they can do. Um, but it's weird. I can look at the freeway from my apartment and there's much less, much fewer cars. Like it's, it's like sometimes you can wait like a couple minutes and you don't see a single car. Like this is right next to downtown San Francisco. It's crazy. Um, so. I mean, I don't even think it's like that at two in the morning. Christian is linked to below people. So listen to the podcast party with him tonight. 
uh, if, if you're not celebrating Shabbat, like some, some maybe. So let us, uh, let us go to Brad here. What, what are your conclusionary thoughts? Uh, anything you wanted to add, talk about your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, my podcast is uh, magic internet money. It's a Bitcoin podcast. I do some shows with like some comedians and, uh, we have uh, episodes on like Trump and the coronavirus. Sometimes I'll talk about random stuff, but, um, I got to get back into it here. I've been, I've been just neck deep in this COVID-19 stuff for the last two, three weeks. And uh, I, I, I just want to urge everybody that is taking too much risk to take some risk off the table and just be ready. If you're, if I'm wrong about this and the next three weeks are not like as bad as I think it's going to be, then you may have lost a little bit of money on, on a rise, but you know, you, you didn't lose a lot either. Um, I, I just think that like, I'm regardless of my thoughts on the happening and all this stuff, I'm still majority of my net worth is in Bitcoin. So <laughs> even though I'm, I'm, I'm like not going to sell my cold storage coins, even if it goes to like a thousand bucks, I sold myself down to a position that I feel like less back pain. And that those coins were, were like, maybe, maybe I was overexposed. And I feel a little bit better about my decision. So I'm just thinking, like, if there's anyone listening, maybe most people listening are just in their and they're still stacking phase and they're still trying to get to their total portfolio allocation and like their dollar cost averaging in. And like, that's the smart move. But for people who are already overexposed to Bitcoin, we just saw adaptive capital blew up this week. We saw a lot of people get get blown up the last uh, couple of well, last week or so. And I think there's going to be a lot more volatility coming. So people just be careful like with your stops be careful with your risk be careful with margin and just your overall portfolio allocation it's not a bad time to be in cash and wait out all this volatility and if you were wrong like you're, you're going to sleep better if you were right and then if you were wrong and the trend reverses just get back in just to make slow movements like slow buy slow sell and uh, don't don't develop bad habits like if you're going to yolo bet i lost a lot of money the night mount gox blew up because i yolo bet on that and I, it taught me a big lesson and like losing a lot of money sucks. It's happened a bunch of times to me in crypto um, and as an entrepreneur before that. So mindset's important, like have a, have a support network, develop a good support network, develop a good, uh, a good trusted circle of people that you can, you can talk to about your decisions and just don't get in the echo chamber. Like the echo chamber is not good for you. It's not good for your financial health. <laughs> All right. And remember, link to below all these dudes. Andy, I'll let you have the final word. Oh, and word pound here. that like button. Pound it. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I would say is do not listen to anyone's predictions. Like you brought up adaptive capital. I'm just smirking a bit. These are some of the people who are among the most high and mighty in the Bitcoin maximalist community and the Bitcoin technical community who have derided others for not listening to them. And it looks like their fund in less than a year is bankrupt, despite the fact that everyone thinks that they're such geniuses. No, you have to make your own decisions, uh, like Brad said, and you decide on how much you invest anywhere into anything, including Bitcoin, and don't let anyone tell you what to do. Now, as for my conclusionary thought about where the, where the world is going, I am not a uh, Armageddonist. I think I was way back when. I think Bitcoin has changed that. It's enabled me to be more positive uh, than I've ever been about the outlook for humanity. But what we are dealing with right now is what I have been talking about for 20 years, which is the end of the fiat currency system. I'm not saying it's going to end in a day, but it's pretty clear 
to anyone with a brain, and I'm talking about the people, the smart money of the world, that the fiat currency system is dying, that right now what is going on with the central banks and the governments is proving that this can't go on any longer and the debt defaults are going to prove it. Uh, you know, I would hope that the coronavirus ends sooner rather than later. I would doubt it because I think that personally, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I think the world is going to do that. So this is going to be with us for a long time. And as a result, you're going to see everything the governments try to do fail. So you have to decide what you want to do with your money. And to me, I like I said before, I think this is the perfect, almost divine storm where Bitcoin was created for this very purpose. So to believe that there's much downside here, and I'm not talking about short term, it goes down a little here, maybe a few thousand dollars there. I'm talking about the risk reward in Bitcoin more than any time in, in its history, certainly in the, in the five or six years that I've been in it is better than ever. And that you really should consider if you don't have any to get some now, because I think there's gonna be enormous amounts of asset devaluation for years to come because of what's going on now. All right. Don't be a no-coiner, people. Stack the dips. All right. All right, dudes. Well, thank you. That was a show. It flew by, and it was a half hour longer again. It was just – it went into double overtime there. You know I like those double overtime games in Denver, baby. All right. So remember, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. I am totally calm, dude, man. I'm not worried about anything. I got long-term thinking – Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Pound that like button. And no state, no government, no one can scare me. I'm going to synagogue tomorrow, baby. You better believe it. So you get a new show here every day. Tomorrow okay. night, I will be here. Uh, go If you are visit Christian's show tonight, if, you, if you're a Friday night party or whatever. But dudes, spread the word. Twitter, TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. Um, but guys, don't, do not panic. Just, dude, life is, I'm loving it. Watch my shows from the, the, the dudes that, that want to hear different views about all this. They don't want to hear scary stuff. Watch the last few shows I did. They were, they were a lot of fun. All right, dudes, everybody have a great, great weekend and uh, have fun with the family and friends. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Later.